Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. It's time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Welcome back in the third and final hour here on Friday morning. And that means it is time for our weekly conversation with New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad. And joining her this morning, we have Councillor at Large Shane Burgo. Good morning, Councillors. How are you? Good morning, Tim. Good to hear, good to hear you both this morning, especially, uh, you know, considering that... Uh, I've been gone all week long. I'm glad to be back here with everybody and glad to be back uh, talking with you because we've got some pretty important things to discuss. But the first question is, I hope you're both staying cool with all of this uh, this hot, muggy weather we've had. This weather is crazy. You know, we had this weather on Memorial Day and now we don't have it again until Labor Day. That's crazy. So, but yes, and it was good to see you yesterday, Tim. You know, I know all your listeners can't see you, but... You look wonderful. Congratulations on sticking with your weight plan. You look absolutely great. Good for you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I really feel like, um, you know, every time I go into the supermarket like that, I'm uh, I'm going to get judged by people now that I talk about my weight loss out of the air. They're going to be looking at my cart to see what I have. So <laughs> I, did, I didn't look at your cart. And, and speaking of the supermarket, as I know Councilor Burgo knows as well, as you saw yesterday, while you and I were trying to chat, two people came by to, to talk with me. So we do talk to people in the supermarket. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I was, uh, I was standing there waiting just to say hello, watching, watching you talk with someone. So uh, we're getting a little bit of feedback from somebody's phone. I'm not sure. can hear a little bit of myself coming back at me. All right, there it's gone. All right, so uh, this week, Councillor Burgo, coming up, you've got a very important... Um, a very important forum happening on affordable housing that will be taking place in the in the council chamber. Yes, um, uh, you know, I'm really excited about it. Um, you know, we, we've been talking about, uh, you know, plans for potentially putting together a home rule petition for rent stabilization. Um, you know, it obviously brought a, a lot of discussion, both proponents and opponents uh, to it. Um, and I, I, I was very excited um, that we can finally start having these public hearings. Uh, you know, obviously the, uh, there are people who uh, are not happy about it that don't want to even talk about rent stabilization. Um, but I think it's important that, again, we continue this conversation and hear uh, from the community, especially since we don't have the option uh, to do the ballot question to actually hear directly from the residents. So this is obviously the next best option. Um, so I'm hoping people will come and join us. Again, like I said, both people who are for it and against it, I want to hear from all of you. So not only myself, but my colleagues in the community at large um, can really be heard. And, and so those two dates uh, right now are Tuesday, September 12th at 7 p.m. 
Again, that's Tuesday, September 12th at 7 p.m. at City Hall in the, the council chambers, um, which is on the second floor, room 214 at 133 William Street. Um, and then the second one that we have scheduled as of right now is Wednesday, September 20th at 7 p.m. So again, the two dates that we have scheduled for these public hearings are Tuesday, September 12th and Wednesday, September 20th at 7 p.m. Um, and we're right now we're in the process as well. Uh, MIS will be setting up an email uh, for us uh, specifically for uh, this public hearing. For some people who have reached out and, uh, you know, explained that they may not be able to attend the, the meeting at night. Um, and so that way we'll give people an option if they can't attend in person, they can email um, or even mail in, physically mail in a letter of opposition or a letter of support. Um, just so that their voice can be heard if they cannot make those two meetings. And we may be scheduling future meetings uh, depending on the public need. And, you know, Tim, I want to add to that. This is not the first forum we've had. Both Council Burgo and Councilor Gomes in June attended the local um, realtor association, not, I'm sorry, not landlord association uh, meeting to talk with the landlords in the city. And we've been doing this in small groups. Uh, throughout the city to try to gain feedback and try to, you know, talk with people to get their ideas, et cetera. Um, he's been doing a great job, and he should be complimented on it. And, and it's important to stress that, you know, these are forums. These are these are a place to come and say what it is that you think. It doesn't matter if what you if you think that what you might say might be unpopular or might not even be feasible. Like, just get the ideas out there. Get the discussion rolling because nothing's going to happen if the discussion doesn't happen. Correct. Yeah, and, and, I, and I stress that point, uh, you know, whenever I came on, uh, whether at the time South Coast tonight, now I know they go by South Coast now. Um, but, you know, I've always said I welcome uh, the feedback. I welcome the criticism because government does not work unless you are, you know, criticizing them to be better. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, as uh, Councilor Moore brought up, we did get to meet with the Landlord Association. Um, and I had explained to them, too, even though for myself, because you know, as I've made very clear, I do want to proceed with a, uh, you know, rent stabilization plan. Um, as much as I know some of them are opposed to it, I wanted to ask them, you know, the plan with rent stabilization, we really can add a lot more flexibility than rent control, which is what I also want to stress, too, is the difference between uh, a plan for rent control and a plan for rent stabilization and the exemptions that we can include in there and ways that we can really make this an equitable plan, not only for renters, but property owners alike. Um, so I really hope that they will come not only with their opposition, but with ideas of, well, if we are going to proceed with rent stabilization, here's what we as property owners want it to look like. Uh, so it's fair for us as well as our renters. Because, yeah, I feel like the landlords certainly are feeling like they're the ones being shafted in this process but that doesn't have to be the case there can be protections there that make sure that they are able to charge rents that will keep people in their buildings so that they don't end up with a bunch of empty units that are twenty two hundred dollars a month and nobody to fill them exactly and we just want to be in a situation where you know as we see rents are rising across the nation not just in new bedford or massachusetts we want to make sure the people of new bedford are not priced out and living on the street but at the same time making sure our uh, landlords and uh, property owners also have good tenants who are going to, you know, keep, uh, help keep up their apartments as well. And, you know, I, I'm hoping as well, Tim, and I know Council Burgo is as well, that, you know, a representative of the administration is in the chamber listening. Um, I'm pretty sure Josh Amaral will be there listening. 
but the people in the city, I mean, hopefully Danny Romanowitz, the zoning officer, is in the building listening. Uh, we want, you know, these people are going to raise issues to us that may not be directly related to uh, rent, the rent stabilization proposal, but other issues and concerns they're having that we as a government body should listen to and try to rectify. So again, give uh, give us all the details of when, when that's happening and how people can participate, Councilor Burgo. Yeah, so uh, I will be coming forward soon with the email address if people are unable to come in person and would like to write a statement that send in. But you also could always mail in a physical letter to 133 William Street um, and to the City Council. Uh, you could direct it either to me or just the City Council as a whole. Our office will be able to read it and uh, direct it accordingly. Um, and then obviously in person, the two dates again are Tuesday, September 12th at 7 p.m., and Wednesday, September 20th at 7 p.m. So uh, hopefully people can get out there and, and have their voices heard. Uh, one one other thing that I wanted to ask you about, too, was the the comments that Mayor Mitchell had made on South Coast Now uh, on Wednesday, where he mentioned the possibility of the city purchasing the Star Store building. And in doing so, hoping you know that the state would be the ones responsible for repairs and maintenance to the building. But Council President Morad, what are your thoughts on, on the city acquiring another building? Well, I, I think there needs to be a lot of conversation around that before we take that step to move forward. As you know, we have a lot of empty city, city buildings at this point. Um, maybe it would be a good thing to offer one of those buildings to the university and then you know, work in conjunction with them to get grants, et cetera, uh, to modify the building. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm not opposed to the idea at all. That's not my issue of concern. But, you know, my issue would be to be sure that the city wasn't uh, saddled with the repairs on that building, which, depending on who you talk to, uh, you know, some say there really isn't a lot that needs to be done, and others say there's a huge amount that needs to be done. So I do know that I, when I spoke to uh, the mayor earlier this week, he did tell me that Mark Champagne, who works with the school department, used to work with the city and the facilities group, is going to, you know, look at the building and try to get an assessment for the city as to what the extent of the repairs would be. So that's a good first step. And then, as I said, you know, we have a couple buildings downtown, including the Quest Center. I mean, I was on your show a couple weeks ago talking about how I'm always concerned about how we don't have uh, tenants paying market rate in the Quest Center and how the city's contributing every year to the maintenance and the upkeep of that building. But there's another perfect opportunity, you know, to offer space to the university in that building and have them be a paying tenant. We already own that. So I, I think there needs to be more conversation than just purchasing that building. Uh, uh, Burgle, I don't know how you feel. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you know, I just don't think it's uh, feasible for us to, to, to purchase that building, um, especially we're in a situation now where UMass Dartmouth has already moved out of it. Um, so even if we were to purchase it, who's to say that they're willing to go back there? I, I feel like there's more um, going on behind the scenes in terms of UMass Dartmouth, uh, the College of Visual and Performing Arts, wanting to be there or not. Um, because they, they had obviously the option, worked in there with uh, Senator Montigny's um, legislation to purchase it themselves. Um, so I, I just, I don't know if even if we were to purchase it, whether or not that college would want to come back and then we would be stuck with another, uh, you know, building that is no longer on the tax rolls. Um, so I just, I, I don't know how feasible it would be to, to do that. 
Well, and Councillor Burgo, uh, Representative Markey had put out a statement when this whole thing went down saying, you know, he would like to see that building turned into a mixed-use property where, you know, there could be some retail space but also some much-needed downtown housing. Yes, I, I did read that, too. Um, I, you know, I have one of these things where, you know, anytime there's a vacant building, I just say, yes, housing can go there. Um, I don't know necessarily if that would also be a good option. You know, I, I really enjoyed having uh, the College of Visual Performing Arts down there. I think it really helped uh, with our downtown, especially when we talk about our businesses. Um, I don't know necessarily if housing right now, especially with how congested it is in the downtown and parking and other issues of that sort when, you, when you're, you know, putting units together, we have to be mindful about parking um, and people, you know, kind of congested in one area. Um, of course, as you know, I'm a big fan of housing uh, of all kinds, uh, particularly affordable housing. But, um, you know, all, these are all great ideas that we can look at. But anything that we do really has to be thought out for, uh, you know, potential of what the future will look like with it there. And, you know, maybe maybe some other planning should have gone on in the past regarding that building. I mean, I've heard now conversations about how uh, they could, UMass Dartmouth could have expanded their program to, you know, have people learn how to operate a theater in con- working in conjunction with the leadership over at the Zaitarian. I know for a long time now, Council Gomes has been trying to get the Berkeley School of Music uh, to come and offer programs here in the city. You know, there could have been space in that building and a partnership built between Berkeley and UMass Dartmouth. But it's just unfortunate that, uh, so it would appear, you know, this, everyone was blindsided by this you know, abrupt decision. Um, so I guess maybe the bottom line is whether UMass Dartmouth is really serious about continuing that program for the students uh, as part of their curriculum. Yeah. Well, what, speaking of abrupt, uh, we've had another four, I think, four police officers depart the New Bedford Police Department this past week. Uh, we were told, you know, with these these new um, incentives under the new contract that it would we'd start to see retention of some police officers. But it seems like that hasn't been the case. Uh, Council President Morad, your thoughts on, on the departure of those four officers? Actually, it was six this week. Six this um, week. OK. Yeah, I think. Well, I think two are next week. I think four this week and two next week. Um, I, I'm very concerned. I know all my colleagues are very concerned. Um, you know, we're getting to really critical staffing levels. I know the men and women in the police department are concerned. Every time I see an officer who is parked on the side of the road doing traffic control or doing a detail, I always stop and get out, talk to them, thank them for what they do. And uh, they're all very concerned. We just we don't have enough people to soon. We're not going to have enough people to fill the shifts. And it's, you know, we're getting calls. I'm getting calls from residents saying, you know, I called the police department for this issue. They haven't come yet. Um, No, I know they haven't come yet because they have to prioritize what their calls are because there's so much going on in the city and not enough people to cover it. It's very concerning. Um, I have not had an opportunity to speak to the chief. Um, I know he is planning on having additional recruits in uh, in the next program that the state is offering. But the problem with that, is that we have a larger proportion now of inexperienced officers on the street, and that causes different kinds of concerns in my mind. Um, Council Burgo, I want to give you opportunity. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's very unfortunate. Uh, as, as you know, we've already had a huge deficit in terms of our police force, um, so losing even more uh, is, is difficult, especially for the, the men and women who remain um, to, to try to staff. Um, you know, 
I feel like we could have done more, uh, especially with the ARPA funds that we have uh, for retention purposes. Um, I know we're offering money, obviously, to to gain employment from people, but uh, you know, I feel like we didn't do enough to to show the, you know, um, uh, I guess I would say respect or um, you know the thanks. Uh, for those men and women who have remained uh, through COVID and continue to help protect and serve New Bedford, um, there really could be more, uh, especially when we look at just uh, the police contract. Um, you know, obviously the city council doesn't help negotiate that, but I just feel, and I'm sure, you know, some of my colleagues will agree that we should be doing more um, to say thank you to our uh, men and women on the police force and from our public safety uh, as a whole for EMS and, and firefighters and every, everyone in that uh, group. And, and it seems like the, you know, I had the police in here on the show talking about the um, need to recruit more. And while they did have interested candidates when it came time for the civil services exam, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of folks lining up to, to join the New Bedford Police Department. And I think you know, the, maybe the report that came out, the Jensen Hughes report, will help in some of the, the fears people might have about joining the department. But maybe in other ways, it might make them think twice about wanting to come to this city when they could go to a suburban uh, community and have a little bit less of a strenuous job. Yeah, you know, that that's, that's the underlying issue, I think. Um, you know, policing isn't what it was 10 years ago. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate. It's a very... Um, respectful position but not everyone in the community respects police officers and there's been a lot of uh, national uh, deterioration of the image of police i'm glad to know that's not in my city but uh, certainly that affects things and you do have the surrounding communities who have aging police departments and you know they're now recruiting for new officers and how better to take somebody from a city like new bedford where they have good experience of uh, offer them a job in the suburban community where in most cases they're going to make a little bit more money and the stress of the job may not be as it is here in the municipality. And I'm sure it's not just New Bedford that's going through this. I'm sure it's all the gateway cities across the country that are experiencing this. And I really think too that what we'll see going forward here is you'll see people that, that, shy away from doing the job just because of all of the noise that's been around it. They might say, well, you know, I want to give, but maybe there's a, maybe, I want to give back to my community, but maybe there's a different way that I can do it just because there's been so much, not only the controversy, but just so much of the um, dirty laundry aired between how police departments operate and municipalities. Yeah, I agree with that comment. And it's, as I said, it's unfortunate a different image of policing than we've had in the past. And there are thousands and thousands of excellent men and women who serve in public service uh, positions for uh, public safety across our country and specifically in our city. And there's a few that get the attention of the media because of actions that are inappropriate. Well, what's coming up uh, on the upcoming agenda? Is there anything that, uh, have you gotten that yet to be able to share with us some of the, the things that will be discussed in the next meeting? I um, did pick up my mail last night. There really isn't anything for the 14th agenda. Um, there is the, the administration is resubmitting the revised CIP uh, from the you know way parliamentary process works. That document needs to be back in front of the council as a new document. It couldn't be reconsidered as we tried to do at our last meeting. So that will be before us on Thursday night. Um, you know, it's already been reduced by, I think, $400,000, and hopefully the council will move it forward. 
I know that uh, the Standard Times did, uh, South Coast Today did an article regarding um, the delay in it being funded. I was disappointed that they didn't give any of my colleagues or myself an opportunity to comment, uh, but there were several comments from the administration. Um, and that's really it. There's nothing else in there. A couple of appointments for constable positions, and um, I believe there was a new livery license, et cetera. But nothing, nothing that's going to require a lot of debate on Thursday night. Makes for makes for an easier night to uh, to get into the meat of the season here, right, Councilor Burgo? Oh, that's very true. Right? Especially as the summer ends, even though it feels as though summer is revving up with the temperatures that we have, uh, it's nice to ease into the fall uh, with a little less controversy. So next week, uh, Council President Morad will be joined by yourself and Councilor Markey? Yes, we will. And we'll have a lot to talk about because um, beginning next week, as Council Burgo said with his meeting, the council calendar really is packed for the month of September and a good part of October. So we'll have a lot of things to talk about what's coming up in regard to our committees, which, as you know, is where most of the council's work is done. Absolutely. Well, looking forward to it. I hope that you both have a great weekend and that you can stay cool today. You too, Thank you. Thank you, Tim, for the time. We appreciate it. Have a good day. You as well. That is uh, Council President Linda Morad and Council at Large Shane Gomes. I'm going to, uh, Shane Gomes, Shane Burgo. I'm going to take a break right now, though. We'll be back in just a few moments. And we'll take more of your phone calls at 508-996-0500. I want to ask your thoughts about schools canceling or sending kids home early because of the heat. What do you think about that? You know, there's some mixed feelings on it. And we can discuss that coming up in just a bit. But right now, it is time to go into the newsroom with Adam Bass. One month after a blindingly fast wildfire destroyed the historic town of Lahaina on the Hawaiian island of Maui, nearly 400 people are still missing. Teams of rescuers, cadaver dogs, and anthropologists trained to detect fragments of human remains have searched nearly all of Lahaina. The official death toll has stood at 115 for more than two weeks, and 385 people are listed as missing. Five former London police officers are admitting they sent offensive and racist messages to each other on WhatsApp, including messages about Meghan Markle, the Duchess of Sussex. All of the officers have since retired. The BBC discovered the men had sent the messages between August 2018 and September of 2022 after they all had left the police force. They pleaded guilty this week to sending the offensive messages. All five are expected to be sentenced in November. One of the U.S. Supreme Court justices says he's hopeful action will be taken soon to address the ethics issues. Brian Shook has more. Justice Brett Kavanaugh told an audience of judges and lawyers in Cleveland on Thursday the court is continuing to work on those issues. His comments come after recent reports of justices' travel with political donors. Kavanaugh added, we respect the institution and want that respect for the institution to be shared by the American people. In a speech in May, Chief Justice Roberts assured he is committed to ensuring the court adheres to the highest standards of conduct. I'm Brian Shook. There's frustration from family members of 9-11 victims that they still have not received justice 22 years later after the terror attacks. Scott Pringle reports. Brett Eagleson's father was killed in the World Trade Center. He says he and others are frustrated that the suspected 9-11 mastermind and four of his alleged accomplices are still sitting in the Guantanamo Bay military prison with no trial in sight. Members of our community that are dying, unfortunately. Parents that lost children that day. 
Some of them are dying. Some of them are sick and they're not seeing justice. They're not having closure. Military prosecutors have proposed a plea deal that takes the death penalty off the table in exchange for the defendant's guilty pleas. Eagleson wants a trial that could reveal more details about the 9-11 plot. Scott Pringle, NBC News Radio, New York. And the Mega Millions and Powerball jackpots continue to surge and are now sitting at a combined $622 million. The top prize is up for grabs for the Mega Millions tonight is at least $122 million. Anyone who correctly, who correctly chooses the winning numbers for the Powerball tomorrow night will get $500 million. bucks. The cost of a ticket to play these games is $2 apiece. In sports, the Boston Red Sox are beginning a series against the Baltimore Orioles tonight. First pitches at 7.10 p.m. And for the Patriots fans, the Pats will kick off the season with a game against the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday at Gillette Stadium. Game starts at 4.25 p.m. Weather forecast, the fog has finally cleared up here in New Bedford. It is partly sunny right now, 74 degrees. It's going to be 82 degrees high, low clouds and fogs, but still humid today. Tonight's forecast, low, 71 degrees, partly cloudy, warm and humid. And tomorrow, 81 degrees with a thunderstorm in the afternoon. I'm Adam Bass, WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app. Time to sit around and wait on the phone while you're getting up and getting ready? Send Tim a text using AppChat on the WBSM app. Now, back to the Tim Weisberg Show. So, as I mentioned, with all of the heat that we've had, the humidity that we've had, the mugginess, the air quality alerts, everything that's been going on, there have been a number of school districts that have either canceled school or had to modify their school schedule because they don't have air conditioning in the buildings and they don't have enough fans to get into all the classrooms to cool the children down. Now, I've seen some very mixed reaction to this on social media. Again, I've spent the last four days just chilling out, <laughs> sitting, sitting on, the, uh, on my chair. And once I, was, once I was down, I wasn't getting back up. So I, <laughs> I was spending a lot of time just sitting there scrolling through social media and uh, checking out the, the reaction people were having to the school closures. And everything from parents saying, you know, I'm not sending my children to school on a day like this if they don't have air conditioning in the school to others saying, well, they didn't have air conditioning when I was in school. 
and we were fine with it. Uh, New Bedford High became a topic of discussion I saw online that parents were saying they weren't going to send their children. Others were saying they never had air conditioning when I was at the school anyway. What difference does it make? So I don't know if you feel, do you feel that it's coddling kids to expect them to be able to go to a building that is air conditioned? Honestly, I, I would expect to have every school air conditioned or don't have it be an operational school. I know you might think that that makes it sound like I'm trying to raise a generation of weaklings, right? But I look at it from this perspective. If you send them to school when it's hot, the heat becomes a distraction. With that distraction, they're not going to be paying attention. So what are they actually learning anyway? So rather than keeping them home, I'd rather see the schools all be air-conditioned. Now, I know that's a costly thing, especially when you're looking at New Bedford, which has, you know, elementary schools that are over 100 years old. But certainly... You can't, I wouldn't expect, would you be expected to go to work if it wasn't air conditioned? How would you feel about it? You'd be upset about it, right? Even if your job required something where you wouldn't be able to have air conditioning and still say, man, I really wish I had air conditioning. Even if you were work outdoors, you'd say, man, I wish there was a way I could cool down every now and then. So why wouldn't we want that for students? You know, I'm, I'm seeing all of these proposals from people about adding all these security measures into schools to keep out the very, very rare possibility of someone trying to come in there with bad intentions, but yet nobody is rallying around we should be installing climate control systems in these schools when the heat is something that does happen. Now, does it happen often? I mean, you usually, you usually get a heat wave like this at the beginning of the year, and then I'm sure toward the end of the year, it can get a little bit warm in some of the buildings. And in the case of this particular heat wave, it's what? Two, three days? But you also don't want to have kids passing out in school. You also don't want to have kids... Because maybe, maybe, because we've had such an abundance of air conditioning in our lives in recent decades, these kids didn't grow up the way that you did. So maybe saying, I lived through it and I didn't have a problem doesn't apply anymore because you might not have had it at home either. But the kids who live with it now in their homes, in the library, in the stores that they go to, in their cars. They're not built the same as you might have been when you went to school there 20 or 30 years ago. So it doesn't just translate as easily as people think that it does. 508-996-0500. Going to take the next break and be back in a few moments. And welcome back in. It is time now to check in with Eric over at the butcher shop and find out what great things they have going on over there this weekend. Good morning, Eric. How are you? Hey, what's going on tonight, Dolan? I'm doing all right. What uh, what kind of deals and what kind of great meals do you have out there at the butcher shop this weekend? Dude, I got a lot of stuff. You know, it's still been warm, so it's good for grilling outside. So 
I got Terrace Major. I got nice, uh, nice choice uh, sirloins, New York strips. I got ribeyes. I got porterhouses. I got everything. I got, I got ribs. I got beef ribs, pork ribs. I got chicken wings, chicken breast. I got shrimp. I got little necks. I got cooked stuff. I got whatever you need, man. I got wine. I got beer. I got it all, kid. And, and the important thing, too, is, you know, you also will marinate this stuff ahead of time so people don't have to worry about, you know, getting it and then spending a day marinating it. They can get it ready to throw right on the grill. Yeah, they get the choice. If they want to do their own, if they want me to do it, it's already done. There are some people like pre-marinated stuff like a day, you know, so it sits in the juices and soak and they don't want to wait. So I got that. I got chops. I got burgers, bacon burgers. I got everything, brother. Well, and another thing, too, September is a big month for a lot of weddings and a lot of wedding anniversaries. And I know that you guys do party platters over there to make it nice and easy for people to provide their guests with great food. Yeah, I guess. I didn't know. Really? September is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I never knew that. I thought it was more like, I don't know. Yeah, I guess you're right. Anyway, I got smoke shitties. Yeah, I do the party platters. I do all that stuff. I do everything, anything you want. You want giraffe, I'll get it. Get whatever, I'll get whatever you want. <laughs> is that Wait, is that legal? Can you eat giraffe? I don't know. Maybe in Africa. Let me, let me know if you get some of that. Well, I'll try a nice giraffe steak. Yeah, I'm sure you will. You know, <laughs> I got to go to alligator sausage. You probably like that. That's not good. That's yeah, alligator is very good, yeah. Huh. And so so what, what are you planning on eating this weekend? What are you going to have for yourself? Uh, dude, honestly, I'm going to have some nice ribs. I got baby back ribs, nice ones. I got pork loins, maybe some pork loin. Sometimes I go pork on the weekend. I like pork. Pork's not bad. And, of course, it's Friday, so some folks might want to come in and get some fish. Yeah, I got fried fish, too. Whatever you want, my friend. And then, of course, you get all the stuff that you guys cook and prepare that you can go in and just get some lunch or dinner to go. Pick it up and go. That's it. Eat here if you want. I don't care. Eat here. You know, people do what they do. They eat in their car, wherever they got to do. I can tell you, I have been there, and I have done that myself. I have had lunch in the car, parked on the <laughs> side road there so that nobody sees me, because I just can't wait. That's called hiding. Yep. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to admit it. Nope, not at all. <laughs> all right, well, thank you for joining us, and, uh, and I hope you have a great weekend. We'll check in with you next week. Yeah, that's it, man. I'll talk to you later. All right, take care. That is uh, Eric over at the Butcher Shop. Go on and visit them, 123 Dartmouth Street in New Bedford, and you can get some of those great meals that uh, Eric was talking about. But why... Why not treat yourself? I know summer's over, right? Treat yourself. Get something delicious to throw on the grill or stop in and have something that he's made for you. Oh, my gosh. The casserole there, so amazing. I love it. Melts in your mouth. Anyway, 508-996-0500. Let's go right back to your phone calls because the phone lines are lighting up. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Spooky Tim. How you doing? Good. How are you? I just wanted to call in to wish you well. Thank you. And I uh, hope that everything uh, proceeds as it sounds like it's proceeding very well. Yep, doing okay. Uh, next week will be a week from today. They'll take out the stent, and that'll be the end of everything. Well, uh, you you sound on, at, the, at the top of your game, so uh, uh, it's good to hear. And uh, I think I've got to know you a little bit from my calls into the show and everything like that. So I just wanted to, you know, wish you well. Okay, I appreciate that. Thank All right, you, my friend. Take care. You have a good weekend. Bye. -bye. And, uh, yeah, for those who might have missed earlier in the show, I don't know how much Jack mentioned it. I gave him permission to mention it, but I, I don't know how comfortable he was sharing uh, medical information. But, yeah, I, I had mentioned last week that I wasn't feeling great. It turns out that I had, um, I had a very large kidney stone, and I actually had a couple. And uh, I went in Sunday morning at about 4, 4 a.m., 4, maybe 5, I forget what time it was. But I went into uh, St. Luke's Hospital to have it looked at, you know, just to try to find out what was going on. They told me I had kidney stones after the CT scan. And they told me I was going to stay in the hospital to try to pass it. Next thing I know, they're wheeling me up for surgery and putting me to sleep. 
And then I woke up and the stones were gone, but the recovery process began, which was not fun because I, I had uh, some trouble, you know, but if you have kidney stones removed like that surgically, they let you go as soon as you can urinate on your own. And I was having a lot of trouble with that. So I had to, they had to send me home with a, a new girlfriend that I called Kathy that I had to bring with me everywhere that I went for the next couple of days. Anyway, 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Hello, you're on the air. Okay, you'll have to try again. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Hey, good morning, my friend. How you doing? So did you did you take the suggestion that what I said? Did you check and find out if you could, did they give you your super stone so you could check out if they're from out of this world or what? No, no, they they take them and send them down to the lab. The first question I asked them, they told me that they were removing it. Is like, do I get to keep it? And they said, <laughs> no, go. no, we have to send it to the lab so they can, you know, take a look at it and make sure that there isn't anything wrong. So, and to be to be honest, there's there's a a, a spot on on my left kidney that the doctor is not sure what it is. The urologist wasn't sure what it is. So once this is all done, I have to go in for another scan uh, so they can contrast that with some dye and and see what that might be. Okay, well. You hang in there and you're in my prayers, pal. I appreciate that, Phil. Thank you. Always. All right. Uh, we are going to take our final break of the morning here. Uh, coming up, Marcus will have you this morning for South Coast Now. Chris is going to be out today, but Marcus will have you with South Coast Now. Uh, but right now, we got to take our final break of this program. Be back in a few moments. you're going on a road trip throw that song on let that play i mean it's a it's a pretty lengthy song but you just want to hear that over and over again that and then i'll do black betty kind of right after that one two punch sniffing the tears followed by some ram jam and uh that i have to say too that ride that i made out to uh connecticut saturday for that wedding all the pain that i was in aside that was a nice little ride you know to have the um the music playing and to uh to be able to get out there and see some different scenery out there i was like oh wait there's like those look like mountains what where am i where am i right now and uh it was great getting out there and seeing a different part of new england that i haven't been to yet that portion of connecticut and it was great being part of those festivities so congratulations to nick fryer and his new bride lauren they are um, one of the certainly one of the best looking couples i've ever seen in my life when you see the wedding photos from them, I'm sure Nick will put them up on his social media. Uh, Best-looking couple ever. But uh, they had a great wedding, really fun. 
they had uh, all of us media members, you know, because Nick works in the media, and everybody that were his kind of work friends that were there, myself, some folks from the Standard Times, some folks from WEEI, uh, some folks from DraftKings where he works now, they put us all up on this upper level of the reception room and they put a sign up that said the press box. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. Uh, but it was great being part of their special day, even though I couldn't get out there and dance. I'm, I'm sure I was in pain so that everybody else didn't have to be in pain from watching me try to dance. So uh, I'll be back on Monday. No spooky South Coast this weekend because we have the Ocean State Paracon coming up in uh, Harrisville, Rhode Island. Come on by if you want to take part. All the money raised goes to charity. Every year, the Ocean State Paracon goes to a great cause. You can find out more about it at riseupparanormal.com. And uh, come on by. I'll be speaking Sunday at 1 p.m. I'm giving a lecture entitled Based on a True Story, and it's about how Hollywood kind of manipulates some of the true stories of hauntings in order to make the movie that they want to make. So I'm going to be talking about that in relation to the Amityville case. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.